Well, let's talk about the family pet. Uh, you know, when you visit any family, uh, pets play such a, a huge role uh, in any family in regards to just the love uh, in bringing families together and just, uh, just uh, you know, in helping in regards to the quality of life. Uh, when families separate, of course, it can be quite traumatic. Attorney General Nikki Sharma today says she's int- going to introduce amendments uh, in BC's legis- legislature to clarify the law around pets, property, and pensions for couples and families going through a separation or divorce. She spoke on this issue earlier today. Take a listen. And we know that uh, pets across um, the province are really loved members of the family. And so the the amendments make it easier for people to come up with their own agreements when it comes to how to divide the family pet time with the family pet, or if they can't, to get an order from a judge to say um, who gets custody of the family pet. That was Nikki Sharma, our province's Attorney General. Joining me now to talk about the issue is Rebecca Breder of the uh, Animal Rights Lawyer and who's been a guest on this show many, many times. Rebecca, thank you for joining us. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Um, How important uh, is uh, this announcement? So important. I'm so excited about it. I've been like jumping up and down all day about this because (laughs) it's something that I've been fighting for for a really long time. Um, like you heard Nikki Sharma say, we would be the first jurisdiction in Canada to actually have legislation dealing with how to deal with pets when a couple separates. Because right now, usually, and at least speaking from my own experience, when when a, someone comes to me and they're in the process of separating, it's actually not not often in the context of divorce. It's more in the context of, or at least the way I bring these lawsuits, it's it's under small claims because if the only issue is, is to deal with who gets the cat or dog, then small claims has the ability to deal with that because technically animals are property. But what I fight about so often, and, and judges have accepted this, um, is that we need to consider the best interest of the animal in these types of disputes. And what I'm super excited about is that it sounds like the government is going to be listening <laughs> to um, my recommendations that I made in my like nine page um, submissions that I made to them back in last August. And together with the SPCA endorsed them, um, another animal organization, RAPS, endorsed them and the Canadian Bar Association that I'm part of um, endorsed them as well. And it was just really important because it will give clarity on the issue of what happens in these types of situations in the divorce context. So if if someone, sorry, if somebody hires you and there is a divorce, when you're in the context of helping them, uh, one of the factors the judges now must look at, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is the, who can actually afford to take care of the pet, uh, the willingness of the individual to care for the pet, and I, I'm going to assume that the relationship a child may have w- with a pet. Yes. So that's that's I'm looking at my submissions right now. So some of the the factors that I outlined are things exactly like you mentioned. So when considering the best interest, it's who does the animal have a bond with and who has has the bond with the animal and who has the willingness and capability to take care of the animal? Is there any evidence of animal cruelty or abuse? And so it's always not just allegations, but actual evidence of animal abuse. And and there are more factors, and it's always done on a case-by-case basis. 
And it's what I'm excited about is that if if I'm right, <laughs> if my prediction is right, and I hope it is, is that these recommendations are actually going to be enshrined in law. And it sounds like they will be. And I'm not the only one. Um, I mean, clients, people in general have been calling on on recognizing that, that we need more guidance in, in legislation. Because right now it's all based on what judges have said. It's all case law based. So we go by, like when I take these cases on, mm-hmm. I go by my own experience and what I've done in previous cases and what judges have said in other cases. But it would be very helpful to see if there's any guidance because one of the things that we often fight about is, well, should the animal be shared? And and I think that in cases, just like for kids, right, when someone separates, they often don't want to have anything to do with their ex anymore. Yeah. But they have kids together, so they have to co-parent. And so I don't think that it should be any different involving animals. And, and that is sometimes it actually is in the best interest of the animal to continue having both people in their lives. Or sometimes it's not because sometimes it's too stressful for the animal to go back and forth. So it has to be done on a case-by-case basis, but that option should be there and it should be delineated in actual legislation. So I'm just super excited because the government is going in the right direction. But as we say, the devil will be in the details. But at the very least, it'll be better than what we have now, which is, Nothing. How would you describe the evolution of animal law and where we are beyond today's uh, a moment? And I, I know it's a big day because I can I can hear it in your voice. Uh, <laughs> um, but in regards to uh, you know animal law, you know we you and I have talked yeah. in the past about recognized animals as sentient beings and some of the legislation yes. in Europe. Uh, where we are, where are we overall? What other things do you think we need that needs to occur in your mind moving forward in regards to recognizing animals and then such an important role they play in our in our lives? Oh, that's such a good question. Where do I start? (laughs) I could say that the way I've seen, even just in the last 10 years, in my own cases, Mm -hmm. where you could see that judges are grappling with this notion that on the one hand, animals are considered quote-unquote property, but that on the other hand, they need to be considered more than that, more than the chair that you're sitting on, more than the car that you drive, and I've had, I cannot tell you that how many times I want to do the happy dance in court <laughs> when judges agree with me. And it's actually in the written reasons that animals are sentient. They're more than just property. And so you see that evolution. I mean, I've seen it in my own cases, and I think that's only going to grow even more as the importance of animals in society and in our own personal lives is getting the attention that it deserves, like like you talking about it, right? Mm-hmm. And and people aren't as shy anymore to say, you know what, I actually love my dog more than some of my family members. <laughs> and and that's just the truth. Yeah, <laughs> probably. And, and, and the law... A little too honest, but yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people could probably, like listening to this, will probably chuckle and go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could relate to that. Yeah, I, and. I, yeah, I just want to clarify one thing. I think you mentioned this earlier, but uh, this is the first time, first of its kind in Canada for for a province to to uh, bring in this type of legislation. Yes, yes, legislation. So because up to now, I I can't. It would be wrong of me to say that there's no law because in Canada 
we have case law and we have legislation. So we do have law when it comes to pet custody issues. But I think when we talk about law in the colloquial sense, I think we mean actual black and white legislation. And that up until now has not existed here in Canada. It does exist elsewhere in the world. Like the, in the United States, there are a number of states like Alaska, New York, mm-hmm. a number of other ones that actually have provisions like these that guide people in the court process about what to do with companion animals in the context of divorce. But my, my best guess is that this is going to be a good starting point. And as we litigate these issues, there'll be more, <laughs> more things that will have to be added into the, this legislation. Because I think one of the issues is, which I'm not hopeful will be in here, is that um, people should have a choice where to bring these disputes, whether it's Supreme Court or small claims. Because right now, it, it's unclear Personally, I take these cases on in small claims if if we're only dealing with the issue of who gets the dog or cat. But other lawyers have different views that it should be in the Supreme Court because it's a family law matter. And while while dogs and cats are certainly family, I mean, I'm the first one to say that for sure, uh, it is more efficient, cost-effective, and just faster overall to deal with it in the small claims context where you still get a trial. So a judge still hears you, still gets to look at the witness's eyes and demeanor in court and assess credibility. But it's less expensive than going to the Supreme Court. Rebecca, so thank- I hope that the legislation will, will give that guidance too. absolutely. Rebecca, thanks for your time today. Thanks so much, Jess.